acronyms. I have a funny history with acronyms, professionally speaking. Short story, I used to be the marketing director for an organization called the Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, but of course that is a mouthful. So we regularly referred to it as LOGA, L-O-G-A. And so for our listeners who work in or have family or friends who work in the oil and gas industry, they know acronyms are all over the place. There's hundreds of them. So it was actually a regular occurrence that my organization was mistaken for another organization called LAGCO, which is a completely different organization. I can hear you all right now. Ben, why are you telling me this? Well, I, I still laugh when I think back and realize that now I represent Catholic Charities of Acadiana, which is sometimes referred to as CCA, another acronym. Anyway, with everything going on today, everything that's happening all over the world, things can get confusing. So it is good to ask questions and it's good to figure out what organizations do and who they serve. I'm Ben Broussard with Catholic Charities of Acadiana, and you are listening to The Need to Serve. The Need to Serve is a production of Catholic Charities of Acadiana. Today, we're going to talk with Amelie DeZormo, who serves as the Community Engagement Manager for the Southeast Region for CRS, or Catholic Relief Services, an organization that serves the poor and vulnerable overseas. We'll dig in with Amelie about who she is, what CRS, sorry, Catholic Relief Services does, who they serve, and really why that should matter to you. Amelie DeZormo, coming up next on The Need to Serve. I am here with Amelie DeZormo. She is the Community Engagement Manager for Catholic Relief Services in the Southeast region. That's correct. What is what is that region? That covers like, well, so my state specifically are Louisiana and Mississippi, but it goes like we're like the furthest um, west. <laughs> so yeah. it goes uh, to, you know, Florida, Georgia, up to like Tennessee. Okay. So just Southeast it's U.S. The south. It's yeah. the south. <laughs> um, Amelie, where did you grow up? I grew up in Abbeville, Louisiana, so um, 30 minutes south of where we are now uh, on like the very bottom center of Louisiana. Awesome. Um, you spent your whole like upbringing in Abbeville? Or? No, no. Uh, no, I did not. I, I mean, most of my upbringing in Abbeville, but I've got like this one year of um, being in Mexico. Whenever I was uh, seven years old, we moved to Mexico um, with my family as Catholic missionaries. And um, even though it was such a short amount of time, like whenever I look back at my childhood, that feels like this like huge expanse of my childhood. Uh, it was just a big year, I guess. Um, so yeah, so I, I got I got out of Abbeville, Louisiana briefly, yeah, you and did. then went back. You took a, a year abroad as yes. a seven-year-old. As a seven-year-old. And here I'm raising a seven-year-old <laughs> right now and I can only imagine what it's like to like leave your home yeah and go live in in foreign missions I mean yeah. what do you do you as a as a, a, a you know older woman 
do you remember what that was like? So much anxiety. I, I mean, I've been like an anxious person my whole life, but, um, but honestly, like that is where, like, I would say anxiety really kicked off in a lot of ways. It was scary. I was scared to leave my friends. I remember being sure. afraid they were going to f- forget me. We couldn't like bring our whole house. We weren't like moving our house in yeah. like a 18 wheeler. It was like, you could bring one box of keepsakes sort of thing. Um, but more than that, I mean, it was like, it was also just an amazing adventure. It was meeting new people, um, making new friends, playing new games, learning a new language. Um, and just like, yeah, living in a, in a whole new place getting to know the world in a different way. I'll bet you that was uh, kind of core to a that foundational thing uh, as a seven-year-old living in mission. Um, and then through to today, you, you represent an organization that uh, advocates for the poor and the vulnerable overseas. Yeah. Um, is that where the spark started for you? 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I like after that, like if, you know, if you ask like a child, like what do they want to be whenever they grow up? Um, my answer from then on for my whole, like since then was like, I want to be a foreign missionary. I want to, I want to, I want to serve the poor around the world. That was my answer from there. I just like knew after that experience, this is, um, this is my life. Like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, what I'm doing now looks different than, than that. And, uh, we can get to that if you want to this, like the winding story of, of how I am where I am. But, um, but yeah, absolutely a spark, this knowledge that the world, um, is beautiful and colorful and doesn't all look the same and not everyone's life looks the same, but there's, um, there's this fraternity, this brotherhood, this sisterhood, this familyhood, um, with everyone in the world. And I felt that I lived that as a, as a child. And that just kind of has become my, my worldview and, and how I live my life. How do you comprehend that as a young kid also like through growing up, through being a teenager, but still knowing, I mean, you know, knowing that you want to be a, a foreign missionary, like does, does that start to take legs maybe after college? I mean, I, I, I yeah. know that you traveled the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, and like a part of it is, so like I came back right from, from missions and even just like in middle school, I started, um, uh, an American girl doll club. <laughs> That was like I just I like starting groups of people that do good things together. So Wait, so why is that not on your resume? Okay, I know, no, I it should be on my resume, but it's <laughs> not. But it's so like I had an American Girl Doll Club, and we would get together and like play with our dolls. But we also would put on fundraisers. Like I remember something happened in the Philip, like a big typhoon happened in the Philippines that year, and we would like do a bake sale for the Philippines. Um, you know, a, a earthquake happened in Haiti. We did a car wash for Haiti. You know, so that was a part of. Um, um, the mission of, of that group that was even in middle school, you know, and then in high school, um, I can, I went to St. Thomas More for high school and, uh, you know, like every year and our, the juniors do like this big fundraiser called Hope Fest. Yeah. Um, and it had always been for a local, a local organization, but, you know, I spoke in front of my class and told them just like the reality of our world of, you know, we are all one family and, you know, who, who are so vulnerable and who are so marginalized, um, and inspired them that, you know, that money would go to family missions company that year. So, um, so yeah. And then, and then it's been a lot of like, uh, of other experiences, uh, Costa Rica, Peru, 
and um, stuff like that. So a lot of going back to Mexico as well. So um, yeah, I studied political science at UL um, for, for undergrad uh, with a concentration in international relations because before I went to college, I told mom, well, I don't want to go to college. I want to be a missionary. And see, she said, you have to go to college. <laughs> Good, um, so I was like, well, what, what do I, what can I study that somehow um, related to this same, the same principle, this same drive of caring for my global family. And so, um, yeah, went into international relations then got a master's in public health. Um, so, you know, found ways to like looking at your life holistically. How can, how can you, how can you put this, um, this mission that you have, this heart that you have and everything that you do. Um, and a part of that is, you know, doing it professionally. That's you, you, you gotta work, you gotta pay your bills. And, uh, so, um, so I've been, I've been thankful to find ways to keep, um, to keep learning about the needs of my global family and finding ways, you know, what, what is my place? and responding to that and I've learned a lot and it looks different than it did whenever I was seven years old for I'll bet. sure I'll bet yeah it, so you are currently the community engagement manager yes uh, for the southeast region for catholic relief services yes crs um tell us about the work of Catholic Relief Services and kind of your role in that. Yeah. So um, the work of Catholic Relief Services, so I guess a little bit of history. It was started 75 years ago after World War II, whenever, you know, it was just like there were so many refugees from Poland, people's lives were devastated, and the Catholic Church in the U.S. said, um, you know, like the the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops said, you know, we, we need to, we need to serve these people and so started Catholic Relief Services specifically with that mission. Um, and I, I never know. I, I say I never knew that that's where it started. Yeah, okay. that's that's where it began. But I mean, it's grown so much more than that. We now are, are working over 110 countries, you know, serving millions of people and um and what it looks like specifically um is so the the vatican i guess i could get into the weeds here a little bit but i'm going to try not to the vatican has an organization called caritas internationalis mm -hmm. okay so every that is like the charitable um development relief arm of the catholic church and every single country has a caritas internationalis um and the u.s because we are so so blessed and so abundant we have two. So we've got Catholic Charities, and that's like Catholic Charities of Acadiana, serving the needs of people here in the United States. And then we have Catholic Relief Services, which specifically, um, the way that our work looks is like at the invitation of that local Caritas. So, you know, if Venezuela, Caritas Venezuela is saying, you know, we really need assistance, they call on Catholic Relief Services to come in and provide that assistance. Um, so, uh, and our programs um, span, so I mean, the needs, we, we serve the needs of, of humans and the needs of humans are complex and, and many. So I could list our, our tons of programs, but just to give some like example, um, is, uh, you know, we work with farmers in Central America. So that's, um, that's one thing. If you look at migration, that's like a push factor for a lot of people, you know, that in this, the dry corridor of Central America, they're losing their food, the food that they grow, that they rely on to feed their family, to sell, to be able to send their kids to school. They they're losing it because of, um, you know, water loss, uh, you know, land loss, things like that. And so, so we work 
with them to um, to have smarter agriculture. You know, use uh, use more um, stronger seeds or to to use their water more efficiently, things like that. So that's that's one example of like our agricultural work and and we use like very just small simple solutions um and uh you know like with thinking of um refugees in um uganda there's a lot of refugees right now from surrounding countries and this is something that that crs is known for from other aid organizations is our work in shelters uh because we don't just provide like temporary tents for people we we build shelters with materials that they can then that the people living in them can then use to either build on, you know, create more permanent housing or like, so what, what happened with this big refugee settlement and you, um, in Ethiopia, uh, afterwards, you know, it was like, people could go back to their home country. The people that were living there could go back to their home country. And now what is left is actually a permanent village that that local people could use and live in. And so it kind of created this incentive for the country to to promote this sort of um, these sorts of shelters. So, um, yeah, I mean, maternal and child health, hunger, feeding people, um, economic development, peace building, justice and peace building, working with communities who have been at war with one another for centuries and finding ways to create dialogue and shared projects. Um, you know, maybe both communities need a road to get to something like they, they both have similar needs and that that's the thing you can, you can hate each other, but you are still human and you still have similar needs. And so finding the common ground and then creating a shared project that they work on together, that's what our justice and peace building work looks like. Um, I could go on, but I might just stop there (laughs) for someone. Okay. So I have not traveled the world personally. Yeah. Can you describe the the emotional and, and the suffering that, that happens in these countries? You know, Ben, I could describe the the suffering, but um, that is, to be honest, that's not the brand of CRS because yeah. um, we work with resilient, strong people who are incredibly capable. And um, so we do see, we do see suffering. I mean, you know, we see, um, you know, like in, uh, in Nairobi, where there's like, um, you know, slums, uh, I can't really describe, like I could, you could look up pictures, you know, I I don't, I don't even want to describe what it looks like, to be honest. Um, and, uh, but like the thing is that, and, and even what I've seen, right. Like I've traveled to Peru and I've seen, you know, like communities who have been systemically cut off from, from access to a life where they can thrive to, to good jobs, you know, like they, they had a culture where they depended on one another to, to farm and all of this stuff and industry comes in and, and takes that, that ability, that livelihood that they've had for generations and generations away. And, um, you know, and alcoholism seeps in things like that. However, um, what I saw in Peru as well, um, where, were local people responding to their needs, you know, like people who themselves were vulnerable saying we can find solutions to that. We need access to education. We need to, all right. So we've got this tourism industry. How do we, how do we capitalize on that? Let's learn some English. Let's learn how to use computers. And they did that. They learned that. Um, and so those are the sorts of people that CRS works with around the world are people who are saying we, we are ourselves are vulnerable and, and have needs, but we also have our own solutions. Um, and, uh, so in a lot of ways, 
what CRS is doing is just facilitating that, mm-hmm. facilitating that, helping connect funds because like the U.S. government right now, you know, doesn't like there isn't so much a way for um, for like, let's say a little local nonprofit in Peru who are serving the needs of um, of Quechua children. Um, to then be able to apply to funds from U.S. government grants, um, so uh, so CRS just sort of helps like broker that helps helps build that bridge and connection of getting those funds directly to the people who are responding to their own needs, um, and uh, and of course using expertise uh, from around the world to build to build out those programs to be as effective and efficient as possible. Um, so uh, so yeah, so I'd say like that's what that work has looked like, and and also I'm realizing you. Asked asked me earlier where what my work looks like I feel like this is maybe a place where I can put this in um so in my travels and and through studying and working with CRS something that that I learned um and saw and have seen and just really had to reflect on because it was making me question everything was this this fact that um that maybe my skills uh of like of fixing things weren't so needed overseas because because they could fix it themselves <laughs> they they could do it and they were doing it and they were doing it better than I ever could because they know their community intimately um and so god you know in that experience i would say like it kind of i mean it was like god telling me like really pushing me uh, in this place to to see what was there before me, and I kept fighting that because it was like I wanted to be the one to go to go and travel and go and do these amazing things, and um and so I mean I kept like kind of like questioning that. I came back from Peru. I went and got my master's in public health at LSU Health. Uh, so it was really focused on the needs of Louisiana. So I got this whole like perspective of how local communities can serve their own community best and. I don't know. It was like really questioning, oh, questioning time. But I kept pushing forward and saying, no, no, I'm going to get a job with CRS and I'm going to work overseas. Um, And then COVID-19 hit (laughs) and suddenly doors were like shut, like just slammed shut. And then other doors were opened. And this door that opened was this job to work with Catholic Relief Services locally in the U.S. to engage U.S. Catholics to make our country a better place and a better neighbor to other countries. So I have a question. Yeah. Bef- okay. Is it is it just an American thing to just want to fix everything? Because I feel like that's what I've tried to do my whole life. Yeah. I don't know if it's just, I mean, it's hard to tell, like, as someone who a- lives in, in America and is very American, like, I yeah. can't tell if it's just, like, if, yeah, if this is just how we are, if this is how this country is, but... Um, or just the human condition. It yeah. Just, I mean, I mean, I think it's normal, and especially if you do travel and you see and you see the you see the suffering and you see that the injustice, you know, mm-hmm. especially in comparison, you know, you see the the comfortable life that we have and that we have all that we need to be able to um, to, to thrive or at least privileged people in this country have access to what they need to be able to thrive. And then you go and see this disparity, this huge disparity mm-hmm. um, whenever you travel to other countries and see, you know, just, um, you know, in some ways that the life looks, uh, you know, 
maybe is is harder to live in some ways, you know, harder to access food, but um, but but more beautiful for its simplicity. Um, but also that, you know, these sorts of important things like access to the nutrition that you need to be able to have a healthy body and a healthy mind and access to education and access to safety, access to jobs that pay you a just and living wage, you know, this that it is so hard that this just all of these simple things just sort of add up as big barriers. Um, to communities that just deserve the right to thrive. And so, yeah, you see that and you want, you know, it isn't, I think it is a natural human thing to say, I need to, I need to solve this. I need to fix this. Um, but if you, if you pause and you just look around and you really get to know the community yeah. around you, you see that, that they, they're finding their solutions and, um, and maybe there's a different place for you, um, and helping them achieve those solutions. I, I've been a parent for about 15 years and, and I've always been encouraged by, folks who are better at that than me, um, to fight the urge to go in and fix it mm -hmm. and, and see if your children can, can fix it on their own. They may need a little guidance, mm -hmm. a little coaching, uh, but you're, you are creating a more resilient child when that child can, can do it for themselves. Yeah. Uh, because you're not always going to be there doing it for them. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I have a, a two year old. I think I'm just learning that myself <laughs> actually. Yeah. I always want to do his puzzles for him, but he's learning how to do the puzzles. Himself. He's way smarter than both yeah. of us. <laughs> Um, have you ever traveled with CRS? I haven't gone to travel with CRS. Um, so CRS doesn't do many, um, doesn't like host mission trips and things sure. like that. So uh, like you can be a part of like delegations, um, to go and witness their work, but really, um, not because we believe that mission trips are bad, but because that just is not where sure. a, a good use of our resources sure. and time to, to do that. So it is sort of hard to travel with CRS yeah. overseas, but your, your job and your position is in a, an, an overall support role to the worldwide operation yep. here. Um, give us, kind of an, some insight into what your role is here in the Southeast. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I am, I'm so, so grateful, first of all, for, for my job, because it's, it's helped me find, you know, this whole, this mission of my life, it's helped me figure out, um, in some ways, what, what a good, just role for me is in terms of, uh, improving the, the lives of my global brothers and sisters. Okay. So what that looks like here is engaging with, um, legislative advocacy. So changing the systems and structures of, um, of the U S and how we interact with the world. Um, and also, fundraising. So, you know, increasing the amount of available money for, for our partners overseas to be able to address their needs in a way that's appropriate and acceptable and, you know, going to be successful for them. Um, so my job as community engagement manager is to mobilize others to do that with me, yeah. um, and to give them the skills, the training that they need to, to do that. And really more than just like, so the actions are legislative advocacy and, and fundraising, you know, that these are, these are the two key components of how we can be good neighbors, um, to people overseas. Um, but you know, in, since I'm working with a Catholic community and we are a Catholic organization, a lot of it also has looked like faith formation, right? Like 
helping people understand why why are why are we called not just why it's like it's like why for so many for like all the steps why am i called to care for my global family why is this a part of of church why is this a part of my faith because it is it mm-hmm. is a part of our faith and um it's been i mean it, it has been from the beginning um and it's something that you know pope francis has been writing on so much lately too just kind of calling to mind for us again and again, that we are a part of a global interconnected family and we have to live in right relationship with one another. Um, and so, so a lot of it is faith formation and then the next piece of it. So, so, so then you get people understanding the global needs and that I should care. And they're like, well, I want to solve it. I want to find solutions. And so the next piece of it is like, you know, uh, helping them understand this integral human development and principles of subsidiarity and that those countries, they can do it themselves with our assistance in this way, helping them understand why why legislative advocacy, why fundraising, and then getting them the skills to do that. Um, and so we've got now like our, our method or our strategy, I would say, for doing that is creating CRS chapters, groups of people, co- faith-based communities that come together, feed one another, uh, feed, feed one another's souls, feed one another's um, spirituality, and also act together with this accountability, this ongoing month-by-month guidance from staff like myself in the U.S. Um, so it's really, it's something that we've... Uh, it's we've been working we've had this u.s facing side of our work for just since like 2000 uh, maybe like the mid 2000s so i don't know exactly what date but like much less time than like our our overseas work um and what it looked like in the past was just sort of general raising awareness of global issues and the need for global solidarity inviting people to act in many different ways this new strategy of like really having people intentionally focus on advocacy and fundraising is as i said new creating crs chapters we've just done it for about a year but we already have like 86 (laughs) that's the number that comes to mind but i think it might be more now but last i looked 86 chapters in universities high schools parishes based just friends coming together um and so in just a year we've it's really grown in that sort of way and um what we focused on so we we do it where we've got um, because there's a million global issues, and we could all we could all be focusing on our own uh, thing. What we really want is for it, this to be like a national movement of people who are all focusing on the same things at the same time, mm-hmm. praying, learning about the issues. So we call those our campaigns. So um, what this for the past year or so, what our campaigns have been is migration and hunger and malnutrition. So our chapters or our partners who collaborate with us in other ways um, really focus their energy on those issues, learning about responding to praying for those those issues. Um, and then we connect uh, one piece of legislation that everyone works on at the same time. Um, and this this is informed by, I mean, we, we have a government relations and policy team. They work with our overseas operations. They, they study our programs and figure out, you know, what, because CRS is very innovative. We have like we, as I said, we've got like millions, or not millions, but like that's a, that's an exaggeration. We have tons of programs. That's it. We've got tons of programs. <laughs> we have millions, millions of programs. Millions of, we have lots of programs. <laughs> yes, so you many, do. and um, and they're and they're all really amazing. I mean, our peer organizations do look to us as as leaders. Um, 
as innovative as innovative leaders um and part of that innovation is because uh because you know it's being led by local community local local communities but anyway so um so so our government relations and policy teams study these programs and figure out what it what is something that would make an appropriate piece of legislation and um, and then they determine which of our mini legislation pieces of legislation would be would be appropriate for constituent advocates, like would be better, like more strategic for normal Catholics like you and I to speak on. Um, so they they really put in a lot of thought to identifying what issue what yeah. issue our our partner our local partners in the U.S. are gonna are gonna do some advocacy on. And you just. Uh, you just kind of closed out your first major legislative campaign, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. yes. So our first one was the Global Child Thrive Act, um, okay. and uh, and it kind of really took us by surprise by how fast it went. Um, and whenever it passed, uh, all of the legislators in the House who were speaking you know, kind of, um, who were like the co-sponsors for the bill, all cited Catholic Relief Services constituent advocates for wow. why it was there. Like, so it was just very, very clear. Yeah. Like we, we got it there. We pushed it through. It, and it worked. It worked. It and worked. only 3% of legislation every year passes. So we were part of 3%. Are you of, serious? I'm serious. 3%. Wow. So, I mean, this is like amazing odds. So I, I think I obviously like I came into this job, like, okay, I believe in this, but really serious down. Outs also, yeah. and so this was sort of amazing. So, so what's the other side of that? Ninety-seven percent of bills proposed in the in Congress do fail. not. Yeah, do not. Wow. Pass. Yeah. Now, maybe because you know Catholic Relief Services and its partners did its homework in putting together a bill that absolutely made sense. Yeah. What was included in the Global Thrive Act? The Global Child Thrive Act. Um, it uh, so basically. It says that we need to integrate early childhood development into all um, all of our foreign aid accounts that we already fund um, that touch that touch families and children in any way. So we so it didn't ask for more funding. It it said that if we put our funding towards early childhood development interventions, then we can make sure that you know whenever we're looking at refugee issues. Um, that for the long, it's like, it's like investing in the long term. Okay. So I'm just going to look at the refugee bit, but it, 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 it's integrated into all of our different foreign aid accounts. But like, so we're setting up, up refugee camps, right? And we have funding for this, for responding to refugees. What the Global Child Thrive Act says is that whenever you're doing that, you need to create an early childhood development intervention like setting up a child-friendly safe space for children in refugee camps to come and get access to therapy, to education. You know, I mean, they've been cut off from their education in this whole process. They've seen horrible, horrible things. And so whenever we heal them, we are making sure that we have resilient adults in the future mm -hmm. that are that are thriving, that have that have, you know, all that they need to be able to be successful and you know, hopefully, hopefully prevent something like this happening yeah. to them in the future. It's hard to advocate against that. <laughs> right. Right. You would think. Um, and so, so yeah, so it, it passed global child thrive act, um, global child thrive act passed and, 
I mean, it, it, what it looks like in our other, in the other foreign aid account programs, you know, with like nutrition, uh, you know, all of, all of this basically, I mean, the, I think that the name of it kind of gets to it. it. It's a broad, all encompassing piece of legislation, but basically we need to be able to focus our efforts on the needs of those most vulnerable, which are yeah. children who yeah. cannot, who do not and cannot speak for themselves. Um, and so I think that was something that was powerful too, for our, our advocates. It was like this, you they, these people that we are advocating for, they have no, no realm, no access to anything to be able to speak for themselves on this right. issue. They, they, yes, they, they, yes, you have to, they, they can't come to the Hill and, and testify on their behalf. You have to do it for them. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that like, um, that whenever I question this, my role, my mm-hmm. role in creating a better world, um, Uh, something like this was, you know, there was, there was no way that they could do this themselves, right? They needed, they truly did need me and, and I need them uh, too, you know, like I need them in in many ways uh, in the future, who knows what they're going to do. And we, so I think like just looking, acknowledging this global interconnectedness and this mutual responsibility that we have for one another, this was, this was a responsibility that, um, that as a Catholic, as a person living in this world, I, I had to do so. And it was something that was very easy to do too. Like CRS set it up like each month, step-by-step, like call your legislator, say this thing. And we got training and guidance on how to do it. Um, and so, so I think that like acknowledging that our Catholic church does call us to take part in public life, um, in the public sphere, yeah. to put our faith into action. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of, um, Sierra sort of leading the way in this, in this effort of, of making that something tangible to Catholics, making that something actually doable, uh, doable for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know that part of, part of the knock on being raised Catholic is that, uh, catechesis has suffered. Uh, people, people are raised to kind of meet the bare minimum, go to mass on Sundays, make sure you check that off your list. Um, it is so much more than that for our listeners who are Catholic. Um, we, we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We want to, um, we want to grow in our knowledge. We want to deepen our faith. We want to uh, experience that interconnectedness with, with our brothers and sisters overseas. Understand that through the human experience, um, we are brothers and sisters and we do, we belong to each other. We're responsible for each other. Um, and, and so this is, this is a way that Catholic Relief Services is assisting worldwide with folks who we may never meet, but we still are connected to. Yeah. 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 And I think that, um, you know, I think that for some cultures, this is like an easier idea than others, like for us to understand. But uh, I mean, we we live in in a world that really promotes individualism or yes. makes us think makes us think that we live all on our own. We're yeah. entirely self-sufficient. Um, and that is um, not what the church teaches. No. <laughs> so, and, and it's not the reality. We come from others. We are a part of others. Our lives are enhanced by our encounter with others. Um, and so I think that um, just sort of acknowledging that and then acknowledging further that there's this responsibility to be in a just an equal and fair relationship with others, yeah. um, where we where we all are are able to reach our God given human potential, 
I mean, that's to me is, uh, is a good, a good place to try to like shape a kingdom of God that where a world actually looks like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Amelie Desarmo running for office in 20, what year? <laughs> I don't even I'm know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So if you, if you are, um, if you're a listener and you've been in the pews of a Catholic church, anytime in your life around this time of year, you have seen a little cardboard box with a hole in it. And it says CRS rice bowl, rice bowl. You yes. got it. You win. Um, wh- what is the rice bowl? What does it do? Yeah. Because I, I think too often I have looked at it and said, oh, this is a really cool, this is a really cool way to give uh, during Lent. Uh, what, it, what does it do? Yeah. Who does it support? Mm-hmm. So yeah, CRS Rice Bowl, this is, um, if you know about CRS, this is probably how you know about us. Um, and I, this is a beautiful, beautiful program because it wraps up everything into one. Uh, so, so you get in your 40 days of Lent, you get access. So let me see if I can like put together the structure of it. So, um, so we always focus on a few different countries. So we sort of frame it with countries and we frame it with, um, with a piece of scripture. So this year, what that's going to look like, um, is our countries are Madagascar, El Salvador, and Timor-Leste. And our piece of scripture is Matthew, um, 25. So, you know, whatever you did to the least of these. And, uh, so then each week, each day you get in your little cardboard box, you have like a Linton rice bowl calendar and each day it kind of prompts you with very, very simple ways to either dive deeper into the scripture or encounter a story from one of these families in one of these countries, connect it into the corporal works of mercy, you know, so it's a faith formation program that then drives you to get to know more about how this is how, how, what our faith looks like through stories of our family overseas, really empower, not heartbreaking stories. Cause as I said, that's not how CRS does it. Sure. This is, these are stories of resiliency. Sure. It's ways to get to know, um, stories that, uh, that help you get to know a little bit more about our corporal works of mercy this year. Um, but they also help you get a, a window into, okay, this is, this is what the Catholic church is doing around the world. You get, you get a concrete example of, of a, a program that we're doing. So, um, so the stories serve multiple purposes, um, and the and then each week it, it drives you to to donate to take action, right? Yeah. Uh, almsgiving that is that's a part of of our Lenten tradition, fasting and almsgiving, and how those two are tied in. Um, so, so it's a it's a Lenten program that you know could cover could cover all your needs for for Lent, you know, right. prayer, learning, fasting, almsgiving, and um, the seventy so seventy five percent of the funds that are given go directly to to, to our program, CRS programs overseas, uh, the sorts of programs that you'll learn about through those stories of hope each week. But the 25, 20, the other 25%, where does that go? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you say a, a number like 75% is like 25% going to administrative costs. No, 25% stays here in the local diocese. Uh, so where, whatever diocese you're giving, um, to, to CRS Rice Bowl, that 25% stays in that diocese to go towards programs helping the poor and vulnerable locally. So what you mean to tell me is that if you pick up a rice bowl and there's $100 in the rice bowl, $75 goes to help Catholic Relief Services programs overseas, and $25 stays right here to help the poor and the vulnerable here in this diocese. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that'll look different, uh, depending on each diocese, you know, but every, every cat, mm-hmm. because that is an essential part of 
our Catholic faith. You you will not go anywhere that says Catholic that doesn't have, or I sure hope you don't go anywhere that says Catholic that doesn't have something to do with charitable um, charitable works and works that are building justice and peaceful societies wherever you are. So. So, um, so here in the Diocese of Lafayette, we've got Catholic Charities of Acadiana um, doing, you know, lots of amazing programs. I'm sure if you listen to other podcasts on the on this series, you'll get to hear some of those things. So, um, so that's where that 25% goes here. Yeah, and and actually, for our listeners, that money is granted out along with proceeds from our Ash Wednesday collection. Um, and the CCHD funds that come later in November, uh, that is put together and granted out to parish-based social ministries all throughout the diocese who are doing great work among those who are marginalized. And so um, thank you out there for those who have a rice bowl and are using it as a, uh, as a, a means to a really great Lent. Um, Amelie, this has been awesome. It's been extremely informative, uh, but I'm not letting you go before you tell me. Um, when all is said and done with Amelie DeZormo's life and the historians have to write about you in the history books, what do you want to make sure that they get right about you? I was really hoping that you would forget to ask this question. <laughs> Not a chance. Because this just like brings like a whole identity crisis to mind. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that I think that honestly, I think that what feels most important to me right now in my life and um, like what what my day to day is and what I feel like. All right, let me just say it is my role in my family honestly like I love I love the work that I do and I love the mission that I've been called to but something beautiful that has happened in the last few years is I have a husband and I have a child and um and I don't know I I don't think they write about that in history books but I would like just like for it to be like they went on long walks every day and they loved people around them I love that. I love that. (laughs) Amelie DeZormo community engagement manager for the Southeast for Catholic Relief Services. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was Amelie DeZormo, the Community Engagement Manager for the Southeast Region for Catholic Relief Services. As you can tell, and I know, man, I was apparent to me, Amelie was born to do what she does. You know, when you're hanging out with somebody and you're like, man, you're that's the right fit. And more than just the right fit. She... She believes it, and she lives it. I certainly learned more about the overall mission of CRS and how we can play a part in it here in the United States, and probably a bigger part because of how blessed our country is. And that doesn't just mean money. A few takeaways I had from today's conversation with Amelie. Number one, we belong to each other. Amelie talked about interconnectedness and our responsibility to care for human beings. It's easy to want to care for those in our country, but let's be challenged to pray for and to act towards serving those who we may never meet. And two, sometimes we don't need to just fix it. As evidenced in my own parenting faults, I'm challenged to promote the dignity of each human being, whether it's my kids becoming independent or promoting the resilience of those in other countries. You've been listening to The Need to Serve, a production of Catholic Charities of Acadiana. 
Catholic Charities of Acadiana cares for the sacred gift of all human life, especially the most vulnerable. You can learn more about us and our programs at www.catholiccharitiesacadiana.org. You got a question for me, shoot me an email, ben at catholiccharitiesacadiana.org. Till next time, I'm your host, Ben Broussard. We'll see you.